Yeah, that's from the the sitting, I think. Well, I don't know about that because it's re- recurring something that happened before the sitting started. No, I know, but like because you're sitting, it's not there's getting like no blood circulation to the area. You're not I would imagine. I'm going to take a shot in the dark here and say that you don't do a stretching routine every day. No. I also wouldn't describe what I'm doing regularly as sitting. I would describe it as lounging. (laughs) (laughs) It's halfway between laying and sitting. There's like a foot gap between your lower back and the surface, but your points of contact are ass and neck. (laughs) Yep. You're getting it. Okay, everybody, it's uh, Sunday, May 2nd. Uh, We're recording here, 5.27 p.m. Uh, The Blue Jays just wrapped up a series sweep on the Atlanta Braves. Uh, We we decided, well, we're doing an episode now. I just had to take Bruce for a walk, but the game just ended. And my name is Jacob Eman. With me is David Patrick Fleming. And you are listening to Underdogs. Now... Are the Blue Jays underdogs? We've asked the question before, but uh, things are starting to come together. As I mentioned, we did just sweep the Braves. The Braves, a team who, what, they went up 3-1 on the Dodgers in the CS last year? Uh, you know, they got they got uh, last year's MVP, Freddie Freeman. This year's NL MVP, I'm guessing, Ronald Acuna. They look like nobodies compared to us. What did you, what did you think of the game of the series, David? I it, man, so many things about the series. It's nice to get the series sweep. I feel sick, as I'm sure we'll talk about. I feel sick about this ambiguity of George Springer mm-hmm. leaving the game in the sixth inning. I mean, we all saw him grab his quad on Saturday night. He's just not quite looked right but then every time you see him in the dugout just laughing joking having a around, party in there yeah it's like it, it almost comes across to me like it actually took this weekend for me to be like oh yeah okay george springer is a blue jay because he, it almost felt like he was a visiting player like he was just on vacation in our dugout and he had some buddies on the blue jays and he was just hanging out with us but then when you saw him at the plate and you saw him locked in focused and then mashing home runs and seeing, you know, he's got a great eye at the plate. He's got a great presence. And when he's at the plate, I feel really relaxed. I just mm-hmm. feel confident. I feel like he's in control. I feel, I feel like I can just watch him and not worry about him. And then he's gone. And, you know, we, we won. We swept the, the Braves. But it just feels to me like this is going to be a thing we're dealing with for a very long time. And that is overshadowing the satisfaction of the sweep for me. Right. I get because that. Because it's so much funner to watch the team with him in the lineup. Not only him, but Teoscar Hernandez. Basically, this week was our first look at the team that was built. I mean, not the, not the pitchers, but the offense. We got the first look at our insane offense, and it didn't disappoint at all. I mean, 
when when Hernandez came back, we had everybody we wanted plus Espinal and maybe <laughs> I don't know at this point I don't I don't really care to if it's Espinal or if it's Biggio. Um, I, I, I will. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Did, did, did you mind no. that game? Were you like, oh, shucks, where's Biggio? I've, I've been on the record before about saying I'm all for Espinal. I'm all for Espinal yeah. playing third. I'm, I'm, but you were not as with me on that. And so it's nice to see those tides turning a little bit and you coming over to the, the Espinal corner a, a bit more. Well, it, it, it's, it's, it, all I'm saying is that it's easier for me when he's one guy in the lineup where I'm not like, He's the one guy in the lineup where I'm not like excited or I'm like, this guy's dangerous at the plate in that lineup when we had Kirk too, where one through eight, it's uh, <laughs> all guys who can mash. And then, you know, you got you got this defensive wizard and I, and I will maintain, I, I've called him a wizard when we first saw him on defense at short or at second. At third base, he is a wizard. Every play looks, it, it's flashy. It looks crisp, clean. It I feel confident. He surprises he's, he's me because I'm so used to these plays that are like just on the verge of being difficult plays or like anything beyond, uh, you know, everyday routine outs are, are it's like crazy, you know, he's the one guy who doesn't seem to just launch the ball two feet in front of Vladdy's ankles yeah, <laughs> you know, and try to make Vladdy make these scoops all the time. It seems like. Half of Bo's throws are skips. Mm -hmm. And if they're intentional skips, he's got to skip it more in front of him. They're way right. too close to him to get that skip. The pick is way harder. Just, it, it, it's mind-boggling the amount of yeah. times these guys hike the ball into the ground. Yeah. I'm also coming off... I'm, I'm feeling that way about Biggio, too, because I'm coming off of the, the Saturday night game, the, the crazy game, where... Him hitting fifth, I was so angry about. No Simeon in that game. Instead, we have we have Kevin Biggio hitting ahead of Randall Grichuk in the lineup, and it almost cost us, maybe not cost us the game, but almost cost us not having Randall walk it off because they <laughs> decided uh, at three and one to to walk intentionally walk Kevin Biggio. To bring up Randall Gritchick, who hits a walk-off single up the middle. What a weird decision to make. I guess when it first happened, I thought, well, it's 3-1. You don't want to... If you're not going to throw him a strike, then this guy's got a really good eye. He's going to walk anyway. Don't waste the pitch. Don't potentially leave one over the middle of the plate in, in the thought that maybe Biggio will close his eyes and hit one hard somewhere. Um, maybe they had some old book on Biggio that's like this guy's eyes incredible, and if you he has home run power, which you know must still be true to some degree. Yeah. But why not just take a chance on throwing a high strike out of the zone? Why yeah. not take a chance on getting him to chase something? Just take it, take a chance instead of yeah. facing Randall Grishik with a clean. And then, but then I also thought. Well, maybe they want the force out at every bag to load the bases. But there was nothing that quite made that much sense. And it's weird because if you watch the broadcast, Buck and Tabby were completely nonchalant about it. And they're like, oh, they just put Biggio on. 
And I was like, oh yeah, it is nonchalant. <laughs> then when you really think about it afterwards, you're like, that was a crazy weird thing to do. And it cost them the game. Were they nonchalant? I thought one of them at least was like, well, that's an odd move. I feel like I feel like Tabby or something didn't think that it was smart. Or I don't know. I can't I can't remember. But in it, any it's possible case, that it, that's it, true. I remember the initial reaction to it was a throwaway. Right. Right. Well, it <laughs> It was a, a major backfire, but it still didn't take away from how upset I was that Kevin Biggio hitting under 200 still, not playing good baseball. He, he definitely started to look a lot better when he was put into the leadoff spot. He was playing a little outfield. You know, he had a couple of multi-hit games. He was starting to walk again. Everything was starting to look more comfortable. But to see him in the, like, I just can't, I don't care what way he swings or how many right-handers we have, to put Kevin Biggio in the fifth spot in the lineup, it, it, it just is incomprehensible to me. There is no reason. There is no, it's, it's inexcusable. Well, it's funny because when they do something like that, my mind will try to wonder why they would do that. Like, what could their yes. thought process... Yes possibly Same. be and 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 so i mean Kevin biggio is not hitting well he's batting like a buck 80 but even to his credit his on-base percentage is still like i don't know 310 305 it's under so it's 300 still, i think it's it's well before at the start of the game it was over 300 okay because i remarked that he was like a hundred and like 15 points or something like that over his average with his on-base percentage so maybe it's almost like this mini lineup turnover where you get Kevin batting fifth and he gets on base for guys like grishik and guriel so i was thinking maybe that but then i was thinking maybe because they fucked with him so much position wise and now maybe his hands finally starting to feel better and they want him to get going so they want to give him some confidence, like put him in a big spot, but not, not again, like nothing really fits like a glove. Yeah. It's like, you're just trying to like taking these stabs in the dark at why they would do that. Ah, and it all just comes back to, would I rather have Randall Grichuk come up in that spot? Yes. Every time, <laughs> every single yeah. time, I mean, you know, like let's look at Randall's on base percentage. <laughs> let's look at his OPS. Like there's, I'm, I can't imagine that Randall has one stat better than than Kevin uh, Biggio right now. I mean, there's probably some stat, but you know what I'm saying. Randall Grishik's not an on-base king, but for sure it's higher than Biggio because, I mean, Randall's batting almost 300. He's having a yeah. great start to the year. He looks like a completely different guy. He, he looks like he doesn't even have power anymore. Like, he's just a singles machine. Nah, well, he's still hit. He's still, he's, he's gotten some dingers since you called him that and said that he didn't have any power anymore. He did come clap back at you and had, hit a couple home runs. I don't remember ever saying that before. Did I say that before? You did. Oh, wow. You did. Well, he proved me wrong. And I'm happy that he did because I like him and I always have. Yeah, same. I, I liked how, I like the way he looks. Not ashamed of that. He, I, I, he's not the best looking player on the team anymore. I don't know if he ever was, but George Springer is extremely handsome. Brittany was like, whoa, whoa, he's really cute. I would date him. How much of the 160 million that they gave him do you think was extra for his looks? Mm, 20? 20 mil? He gets 20 million for the way he looks. Yeah. I mean, his skin, man, it's smooth. It's like a perfect, like tan color he's i think he's quite handsome yeah 
Um, but while we're talking about him, he's out again. I mean, maybe, maybe not. Maybe he'll be playing. Playing? Are, are we playing tomorrow? Do we have another off yeah, day? Are we getting? Are we getting no, right after it in Oakland? We're going to Oakland tomorrow. We go. Uh, we're tonight, and then we're playing tomorrow night in Oakland. Okay, great. I just didn't want to have another off day here to do nothing <laughs> tomorrow night. So, so I, I, I'm holding out hope that he will DH again tomorrow night, and that they just, you know, they felt, <laughs> I guess, really comfortable in a four-two game to to let his little tired legs rest a little bit. And take him out. Not take any chances. I'm. I can. I can. I'm okay with that. If it's he's feeling like, oh, it's a little. It's a little sore. I didn't do anything to hurt it, and I'm fine. But I think. uh, I think we should just take it easy. This whole thing is a bit of a mystery to me because Ben Wagner, who works for Sportsnet and the Blue Jays, said that George Springer had been given the keys meaning he was allowed to do whatever he wanted to do. So it wasn't the team or the organization saying, you have to DH, you're not allowed to play center field. He was allowed to do whatever he wanted, and he didn't feel that he was ready to play center field. And so then you see him, and you see him on Saturday night, uh, You know, the most unfortunate play for him to have. He nubs one to, down the third baseline. He has to you know sprint. And then he grabs his quad with his hand. And because they didn't take him out, I was trying to figure out because I, I couldn't imagine like in any world where front office wasn't calling and being like, get him mm-hmm. the fuck out of there. Like, I don't care what he says, get him out. And I thought maybe because he's a competitor and because he couldn't run as fast as he wanted to run that maybe in some subconscious way, he grabs his leg to kind of like show that like, this is why I'm not running. Cause my, I'm still not sure about my leg because then he didn't come out and then he blasted two home runs. Yeah. But he didn't look right. And even when he's jogging back to the dugout, he doesn't quite look right. Then today, he doesn't quite look right. And then all of a sudden, he comes out of the game, but he stays in the dugout and he's laughing and joking around with everybody. It's not like he went to the back and was getting treatment or you know, dealing with it with uh, like a trainer or anything like that. So for him to say his leg's tired or for that to be the narrative that's being spread that, oh, we just took him out because his leg's tired it just doesn't it just doesn't sound right it doesn't feel right like i i was shocked that he was in the game today and i'll be surprised if he's in the game tomorrow that's Mm -hmm. for sure Mm -hmm. well it's the choice of language right fatigued you know they could have gone with something that still isn't quite as scary like maybe he strained you know it aggravated his quad you know i don't know but fatigued it just it's it's interesting you know, I don't, and I know that they have to be aware of how crazy all of us, all of Twitter, all of Blue Jays fans are right now with how much we want him. And especially after his tantalizing performance, his great start as a Blue Jay. I mean, he, he's already hit one of the top five furthest home runs in Blue Jays history. At 470 feet, that that moon shot that he hit out of the park and into the into the elementary school that the camera couldn't even find. They just like looked up and it's like it's gone, man. It's like went to the that was crazy. Um, they they said it was only the fifth furthest home run in his career, right? Yeah, and I will point out that they showed the list. They're like, uh, I think it was. 
Edwin Encarnacion hit one hits 474. They had a list of the top five. Notably missing from all of those was Rowdy Telez's 505 feet home run that I guess just since since it couldn't be the furthest home run at fun, Fen, Fenway just doesn't exist anymore. Like they couldn't come up with a new number. Like sure, surely it still went further than 470 to be in that top five list. It, like what happened to that home run? I, I We got to launch an investigation into that. I was I was furious when they showed that in graphic. Yeah, I don't understand why that's not a definitive thing. Like there's video evidence of where the ball landed. You know the stadium, you know the the dimensions of the stadium. You should be able to know exactly how far that home run was and for that to be but I feel like when Boston uh recalibrated that home run or recalculated that home run, it was like well below what they had initially said, like well below. Hmm. And maybe the home field team gets to dictate the distance for some weird reason and not science. 35 feet short of what they thought it was? That's a lot. That's a long way. I don't know. So (laughs) Twitter is going crazy, of course, and it's it's not just Springer. it's, It's all of the injuries that have been going on. You know, we just lost Kirk again, or not again, but we lost, we added Kirk. There's just been injury after injury, and Twitter is calling for the heads of somebody in our coaching staff. Somebody, I, <laughs> do you think it makes any sense at all that we can blame somehow the Blue Jays for these players getting injured? I don't know if it makes um like logical sense but for sure when you're an organization that has been on the record for saying that they've put all of this money and effort to have this high um what is it called the high performance high performance yeah. department of the I think Blue it Jays used that- to be called that they got rid of that because it sounded too impressive <laughs> <laughs> but i mean that's been going on since Donaldson hurt his cap. Yes. Donaldson called them out when he got traded, saying that the way that they were going about it wasn't effective for the way that he wanted to recover from his injury, and that he felt that that was what really hampered his the end of his tenure with the Blue Jays. And then you've got all these injuries now happening. Now, no, it's it's not likely that it's something that's happening behind the scenes that just the Blue Jays organization is doing that is hurting players it just doesn't i think if you just look at it in a general sense and you say oh i thought you put all this money into a to a department in your organization that's supposed to make players the most efficient and supposed to be able to read every biomechanical thing that they do and be able to like rate it and see it on a computer so you should know when people are going to get hurt but i don't know i just don't think that uh if that is something that is going to be effective for the blue jays it's not there yet every single team in the majors has some sort of department, whether they call it the high performance department or they call it the the department of injury prevention. I like the scientists, like every team has it and every team has tons of injuries all the time. You know, like the, the Dodgers are, I'm sure have more money put put towards injury prevention and all of high performance, whatever that is, than in, than any team. And they're dealing with an insane amount of injuries right now. So, like, 
it's baseball, and it's probably something to do with last season, you know, playing last time, and then I, I don't know. It's no, it's no small thing that George Springer's thirty-one-year-old outfielder, mm-hmm. and I, I don't necess- I don't know his injury history up until this point, but if he's had a clean slate for the most part, well it's bound to turn as you get older and you're running around in the outfield. He plays hard, swings hard, and he's getting older. There's, there's a long, long history of 30 uh, plus aged outfielders that become injury prone later in their, in their career, especially Mm -hmm. after they sign big contracts. Yeah. Jacoby Ellsbury. Yeah. Justin Upton. Sure. In any case, I just don't think that it, like it's going to make any sense that we that we have to clean house with whatever that department is, and big changes need to be made because we like because people who aren't that person are like aren't preventing guys from getting injured. And George Springer's been a Blue Jay for like two months. Yeah. Like, what could some guy in the Blue Jays organization have done to him so quickly that allowed him to hurt himself? George Springer's been hurt for over a month. He's been yeah. hurt halfway through spring training, and he's still hurt. And it's been multiple things. It's been oblique. It's been quad. What, what could? Well, I would love to know what somebody thinks some guy in the organization could have done to him that made him just hurt himself that quickly. But it's not that it's not Springer specifically. It's that it's Ryu, that it's Kirk, that it's that it's you know Pearson, that it's Malone, that it's just like this string, that it's all of these guys, and that there's some sort of pattern that that they're doing something or they're not doing something that's causing the whole team to get injured. I think they honor injuries more than they ever used to. I think that some of these injuries that these guys have would have just been brushed under the rug in years past and people would have played through them. I think that they just, they acknowledge injuries more and they give guys the time to rest more now than they ever used to. I think that's a part of it. I'm not saying that's all of it, but that's for sure a part of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, that's probably true across the game. You know, we we value guys grinding out, being Iron Man, playing 162 games a lot less now because we know that that isn't good for players' bodies in the long run, right? Because I mean, we don't know the the inner workings of teams, but there's probably been a lot of times where teams are in the playoffs and behind closed doors, they're like, "Ah, oh, our team's just banged up. Our team's hurt, man. If only we were a little." If we were a little healthier, maybe we had a shot to beat these guys and make it to the World Series or make it to the CS or whatever. And so they've developed a way to work smarter moving into the later parts of the season, and they they take advantage of the earlier parts of the season where they can. And the Blue Jays are doing well with all the injuries they have. They're two games over 500 right now. Mm-hmm. They got yeah. like two starting pitchers. They have like two starting pitchers right now, and they're two games over 500. And they really only started hitting like yesterday. Yes. Um, if you had to put money on the next injury, who do you think it would be? Ooh. I hear something. This is just at the top of my mind. I'm not saying that. I, I mean, I hope to God this isn't true. Uh, 
I've had this vision lately, and I don't even want to say it because I don't want it to happen, but I've had this vision that Vladdy's going to get a fastball in his hand, and he's going to break his handmate bone. It's going to be high and in. He's going to do that one of those sort of like turn into it. It's going to snap his hand, and he's going to be out for a while. And then when he comes back, he just won't be right because his hand oh. won't really recover until next year. Yeah, you you asked. I didn't want to say that, but yeah. Where where's your money? My money. I I'm imagining it's this upcoming Wednesday night. Robbie Ray's on the mound. It's like the fourth inning. He's just been gunning fastballs. And he throws a high fastball and he goes to grunt and just blood just like <laughs> coughs out of him. He just like screams blood out because like his whole insides are like ripped apart. Um, that's kind of what I'm imagining happening. And, and yeah, I put my money on Robbie Ray. There's some, that dude just puts everything into every pitch. It's so alarming. I'm so nervous every time. Yeah, I was saying to you on text it was like last night that we don't call Robbie Ray's pitches anymore. We call them screams. Screams. Is if yeah. he throws if he if he throws 80, 90 screams a night, it just in your apartment right now or anybody out there, like wherever you are, just wake up in the morning and tell yourself, I'm gonna scream full voice 90 times today. Yeah. And just see what it does to you. Just see what screaming full throttle 90 times. Uh, in a day does. And and it's not like he even does it morning till night. He's screaming 90 times in two hours. I'm going to try one right now and report what it feels like. One sec. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to do the wind up and everything, okay? All right. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that feels good, actually. Yeah, but like, <laughs> whoa, man, it's probably uh, therapeutic. You probably get over some demons like every single pitch, but it's also, it's a really, for me, when I watch him and he, th- and he screams when he throws the ball, I just find it so funny that it's not being acknowledged. Like in what other context is a man screaming with, I mean, it sounds like pain. It, it sounds like he's screaming in pain yeah. 90 times and everyone's just like casual plays go on. No one says, Hey man, you okay. It seems like a classic cry for help, I guess is what I'm saying. And no one acknowledges or asks him if he's okay. Yeah. Well, I, I've read about these kind of grunts before because I got so annoyed with my roommate watching tennis and I can watch tennis with them. I've never been into tennis and I've always just been like curious and trying to understand why the yelping and the grunting is. And I guess there is some sort of science that you can get more power if you grunt as you're hitting. But it's weird with Robbie because it feels like he chucks it and then he grunts afterwards. Like it's not with the release of the ball. Um, I don't know. I didn't notice that, but if that's true, that's, I mean, that's, that's a difficult thing to do because to throw the ball, you would have to exhale. You, you can't throw a pitch and hold your breath. So he would have to throw the pitch, exhale, and then with his remaining breath, scream it out. And that's, that's incredibly impressive. And that, that breath control, that's incredible if that's mm-hmm. what he's doing. 
Mm-hmm. And that's why he just seems dead to the world when they talk to him after a game. Like he has no voice. He has nothing left. It's like he's faced every demon that he has in his life. Whatever he's doing, though, it's working. And he looked incredible. I Like, I'm so excited. Robbie Ray, to me, is the most exciting maybe the maybe player on the team he might be my favorite player on the team right now but definitely my favorite pitcher to watch um the way like him realizing it wasn't even last start it was the start before i think did he pitch against the nationals was that his previous start uh, or was it the rays uh that's a good question i <clears throat> I, I my guess is the nationals but i i'm not sure yeah, I think it might have been the Nationals, and there was a point where I feel like he just realized that he can just gun his fastball, and they just can't hit it, and he can just keep throwing it until they start to hit it, and then at that point, he chucks in a slider, and they just it's like they have no chance, and then he just f- keeps building on that with each start. Last, last start, just... I mean, what's his fastball usage up to like 76% or something now? It was, it was over 70%. Yeah. And he's throwing 98 all of a sudden. Like yeah. it's unbelievable. I'm so <laughs> impressed by him, but also I feel like just like we need to monitor him because uh, in the brave start, I saw when he was in the sixth inning, I was like, all right, this guy's he's laboring. And it's obviously it's, 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 I feel that way more so because of the grunting and the how much he puts into each of it. But I was like, I was like, yeah, he hasn't thrown a lot of pitches going into the seventh. But I was like, I don't know if we should be bringing him in. And then you see it like he's just like, I'm just going to chuck the fastball until I either collapse or they take me out. <laughs> and then finally he gives up the the home run and it just it made sense at that point. I was like, yeah, man, he's fucking tired. He's been gassing it like putting the, the pedal to the floor the entire night <laughs> sweating so hard every time he comes off breathing like panting on the mound like an animal i would love to hear from a hitter what the effect his scream has yeah <laughs> because it's got to do something even if it's subconscious like it's got to like you hear it for sure you hear it guys guy's 50 feet away when he releases the ball and he's screaming as loud as he can launching a baseball at you yeah and it's gotta do it's gotta just make things a little bit because it doesn't make that much sense why his fastball is as effective as it is it must maybe it's his arm angle maybe maybe it's the fact that he's left-handed i know he throws he threw 98 last game but he hasn't always been throwing 98 in fact like him him last game was two miles an hour above his his average velocity yeah so is it the screaming because screaming's an interesting tactic like if you were outside a bar and there was a guy that wanted to fight you and you thought maybe this guy could beat you up it might be a hell of a tactic for you to just start screaming as loud as you can. Like if you mm-hmm. if you if you ran into a cougar in the woods, one of the things you could do is just scream as loud as you could just to make it be like, "Whoa, whoa, what what is go- what's happening? Dude, are you all right? Yeah. Are you all right?" And like I I honestly wonder what effect the screaming has to it. I think that that is definitely hitting on something. The combination of screaming the combination of just endless fastballs with the screaming, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. just like he's coming. He, not only that, he's 
he, I, he looks like more jacked than ever in like a lumberjack way. He's got the tightest pants on. He wants you to see how huge his legs are, how thick his arms are, how like, and then he's, he's grunting on the, fa- uh, the fastball, but he also grunts on the slider too. And it's like yeah. in your head, you're like, okay, he's grunting. He's putting everything in. It's got to be the fastball. And then boom, it's a slider and he's still grunting. <laughs> it's I, I think I think a part of why it's so effective is when I really think about this, you have to be extremely confident to do that, yes. to wear those pants, to wear the tight jersey, to, to scream bloody murder every time you throw a pitch, to just keep launching a fastball and saying, hey, hit it. I only have this and one other pitch. And when somebody's extremely confident, that goes well beyond any ability or technique or anything. It's, it's, it's very intimidating when someone is extremely confident, confident enough. Like if somebody walked into a room and just started yelling, you'd be like, Ooh, this person's really sure of themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, oh, I, you know what? I might get a Robbie Ray Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm so like on you, board you, with Robbie. And it happened from like the you, beginning. Like as soon as I saw him the first time we we had him, I was like, "There's something about this guy." And he wasn't even that great yet. But like, I, I feel like you probably remember. I've been like weirdly obsessed with Robbie Ray since we got him. I think you've made about three jersey claims on the show. <laughs> <laughs> so you're gonna have to actually you're gonna have to actually buy a jersey well, for any for any of us to put stock into this. You're gonna have to actually pick a jersey and 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 get it and wear it. Well, I'm pinching pennies right now. Otherwise, I would have... I don't know who I've claimed I would have gotten before. Uh, trying to think here. I'm sure Bichette... I think you've said Bichette for sure. Well, we've talked frequently. Like, if you're going to get you a, a Springer jersey... you said Springer for sure. You said Springer, Springer and you said Bichette for sure. Well, I feel like Robbie Ray is the most <laughs> me kind of jersey that I could get. You know, I, I, you, know you worry about it being a little niche if he doesn't come back you know i'm hoping that i'm hoping that he's like a found gem here and we he he obviously loves it here if he keeps being effective i i'm hoping we got him here for a while yeah man i mean he should play here until he screams out yeah he should have his last scream in a blue jays jersey and then uh, who knows just walk off into the sunset um, let's talk about a little bit about Vladdy. Vladdy had a historic night. It was, it was a few nights ago now, but Vladdy came up his second at bat, bases juiced, hits a grand salami, ding dong, comes up the next time, hits another dong, hits three home runs in one night, one of them a grand slam. Uh, he... He didn't look incredible at the plate today, but consistently he's he's on another level right now. And there was a lot being built up of him versus Acuna. Um, it's crazy how good those two guys are. And then just on a, on a kind of si- side tangent, what was built up as Vladdy versus Acuna? You, I felt like I could feel it again. One of those moments where he really was pressing, trying to trying to live up to that billing in his first at bat in the Atlanta series, and uh, and then Bichette just kind of gets to slide in there uh, in his, and he gets the home run, 
and gets things going in that series and, and gets to remind everybody that he's a young stud star too. I felt the exact same way about his first at-bat in the Braves series. I, I, You could just feel the importance to him because I think there was a slider in the dirt and he just did his big overswing, big like, you know, spins the torso and just big uppercut swing. And and the the three homer game, just to go back on that against the, so the grand slams off Max Scherzer. And I mean, the grand slam is a bad pitch, you know, not to take anything away from Vladdy. It's a bad pitch, but, and this has been spoken about many times. What's so crazy about his three home run game is he goes left center, right center, right field. Mm-hmm. They keep like, that that is so that'll go down as one of those legends of baseball like the night that Vladdy hit to all parts of the field had a three <laughs> home run game something that his dad never did three home runs and then since that three home run game he's looked a little different but i also wonder how frustrated he is that he just keeps getting walked like he just keeps not really getting pitches to hit mm-hmm. and i think that because he I'm sure I'm going to guess he loves hitting because he's so fucking good at it. He loves mashing the baseball that at times he's going to come out of his discipline just because he's frustrated about being walked. So he's walked 22 times already this year. Yeah. Five of those have to be intentional, right? Or four maybe. And, and I feel like a good chunk of them happened in the last three games against the Braves. He's just been walked this entire time but it's funny because this lineup is so deep you can just sort of witness vladdy like okay he's just passing the baton he moves on and then you see all these other guys come up that are so deadly as fact when simeon came up today i thought to myself wow i've really taken a focus off of simeon ever since he moved down in the order and springer came back and hernandez came back he was just sort of another guy in the bottom half of the lineup that was sort of you know, in the middle of a kind of mediocre to less than mediocre start along with, you know, Guriel and, you know, Jansen and and Kirk at one point. He, and, he and wasn't whatever. nearly as bad as either of those guys. He was, he was dancing around the Mendoza line. He was a little sure. bit like around the 200. He had five home runs. Five home sure. runs, though, is different. Sure, sure, sure. And then he ripped a double. <laughs> he ripped a two-run double, and then he hit a home run. And it still was just like a part of the scenery. Do you know what I mean? Like it wasn't like it even stood out because there's just so many guys on this team when Springer and Hernandez are in the lineup. It's just like nowhere to turn. And I, and I just think that like it's just going to help everybody out the more that uh, these guys get hot. Like eventually you would hope you can't walk Vladdy every single time that he's up. Right. You, have to, you have to give him pitches to hit. And I was wondering like, where should Vladdy be in the lineup to force them to pitch to him? I'm not really sure that that, uh, even matters, but I was, I was thinking about it and I was like, maybe you got to lead him off. Well, (laughs) (laughs) that isn't going to happen. We know that, but I think, I think, you know, Teoscar has been gone a while, but this is a silver slugger. This is a, a potential home run, uh, champion leader. You know, I think that, I think that Snitker and the Braves probably thought they could they could get away with not pitching to him and deal with Grichik or deal with Teoscar. But uh, as time goes on, if Teoscar's around for a while and keeps, you know, he, he's looked great, <laughs> pretty good, I would say, after coming off uh, being away with COVID for two weeks or three weeks. And 
eventually they're, they're going to be pretty nervous about him coming up after Vlad, I would say. He had a home run his first game back. I was shocked yeah. by that. I was shocked that he was able to to be that locked in to have his timing, you know that that um, that good. And 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 yeah, it's just like uh, when that when these things are flowing, there's just no way out. Like yeah. if you're a pitcher, and like when Kirk's in there, not Jansen, there's nowhere to go. And now because some of the guys that were in their early struggles, like Guriel's slowly coming around as well. Yep. Like his average is, is coming up. He had a home run the other night. Yep. Um, yep. He looks and, alive and he knows, again. Yeah. 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 And that's just like this extra thing. That's like, it feels like house money mm-hmm. when you get down to that part of the lineup. And then you've also got this potential 300 hitter who can hit the ball out of the ballpark in Guriel yep. and then yep. and Simeon as well. And then all these guys. And that's why, like for me, even if even if the potential of Vigio's bat is uh, you know far beyond what we could hope from Espinal, the comfort level of Espinal at third base for me is is really significant. Yeah, and I feel like pitchers love it, and I feel like the rest of the team must feel relaxed when he's over there. It's so smooth. He's so smooth, and and to, and to be fair to him too, he's batting over three hundred. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, I I feel I feel pretty similarly. I I feel really uncomfortable with Biggio playing defense anywhere. Really? Yeah. Even, anywhere. Even if even if he was playing second, I don't know how comfortable I'd feel about it. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's a quick turn, and it, it's probably an unfair of us to have turned that quickly on Biggio. But I just have to acknowledge that that turn has happened. I, I feel that way about him in, in all aspects of the game right now. I feel like when he's at the plate, he's looking to get walked. And when they don't throw him balls, he strikes out. Yeah. He's got to, he's got to, he's got to figure out, he's got to figure out who, who he is, I guess, what his identity is. And if, and if he isn't a leadoff hitter, um, which I feel like his identity is really tied up in now, and he's not going to be our leadoff hitter. George Springer is the leadoff hitter, and I don't see that changing. <laughs> I mean, maybe maybe if he really slows down in a couple of years, he can't run the bases. He's not as dangerous that way, and he kind of matures into a bit more of just like a a slugger. Maybe maybe then, but I don't I don't know. I mean, do you do you flip him? Do you see if there's value in in moving him somewhere else, some someone else that needs a a leadoff OBP kind of guy that is maybe versatile on defense? Maybe that maybe that ship has sailed. <laughs> I don't know. I don't imagine that ship has sailed. He's still young enough, and he's still had enough success in the big leagues for a team to be to be interested in him for sure. That I I still don't like thinking about that. Cause I still put him in the core of these young guys and, you know, just probably because of his last name. Um, but you don't want him to play. No, I don't want him to play. <laughs> well, it's but, not that I don't want him to play. It's not that it's not that I, this isn't my best case scenario. Like, haha, he's playing like shit. Here comes Espinal. It's just the fact that that's what's going on. And that's where I think the best adjustment for what he's doing right now is like in a perfect world, if triple a was happening, I, I would be tempted to send Biggio down to triple a triple a is happening. Triple a started today. Okay. Well then get gone. And what's he working on down there? 
Uh, I don't know how to hit a high fastball, throw a baseball, how to catch a baseball, how to take the uppercut out of his swing, how to uh, make contact with a baseball that is significant, how to build his confidence again, how to become a very productive number nine hitter, right. how to play catcher (laughs) (laughs) it's interesting it's interesting yeah i was just thinking too i keep seeing news about uh chris bryant and how he's mashing again i think he's leading the and allen home runs or he's around the the lead and there was a lot of talk of toronto putting some sort of package together (laughs) imagine if he was playing third base too now like what this lineup would be having like a the return of Chris Bryant. Oh my God. <laughs> that would almost feel, it would almost feel unfair. It would almost feel like, and and I'd be all for it. I'd be all for the blue Jays having really poor starting pitching, good bullpen, and just an offense that you can't stop. Mm. I think that would be really fun. And it has been really fun. Like, and, and not yes. that the, Pitching's been horrible or anything like that. Bullpen's been amazing. Starting pitching's been okay. And it's been fun. It's fun when the bats are going. Yeah. Yeah, there's just... It's like you said, we're so deep that it feels like anyone can have an off night and someone else. There's just enough really good hitters that mathematically, it's likely someone else will be having a good night and they'll be able to carry the team that night and someone else will get a walk. And it's just... Awesome. Do you th- do you think that uh, that Danny Jansen was like like excited when Kirk got hurt? Do you think he was like part of him deep down? Not that he would ever share this, but do you think that part of him was happy about that? Like, I would think- you be happy about that in that situation? Like, I'm trying to put myself in his headspace, and even though the team's winning, like how he's actually feeling, and he's got to be feeling a lot, and it's a lot of it's got to be shitty. I'm guessing that he caused it in some way that he put something in Kirk's shoe or something that I don't know. I was trying to think about that like how you could wreck somebody's hip flexor like in a subtle way. I don't I don't know if he was like specifically going for the hip flexor, but he was trying to hurt him in some way, subtly. Like maybe ground down some of his cleats or Yes. Yeah. He tied he tied his catching straps too tight so that there was a lack of circulation in his legs and so when he ran he yanked something. Yeah, or like maybe like put something underneath the the sole in like in between the sole and the cleat, you know, just like a lift or something, something that just kind of like made him off balance, like one leg was taller than the other or something, and it just messed him up when he was running. That's what I think happened. Well, you heard it here on Underdogs. Danny Jansen is the reason for Alejandro Kirk's hip flexor injury. Yeah, sabotage. Well- so are they called up Riley Adams? Yes. And that'd be unfortunate for Danny if he just started raking. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's hard to imagine people being worse at hitting. I have I had this vision the other night when Alejandro Kirk hit his two home runs on, I don't know, Saturday or Friday, whatever game that was. 
and uh, there being this moment in the clubhouse after where they give out like a game ball and Montoya gets the whole team around and he's like, and today we're going to give it to Alejandro Kirk and everyone cheers and whoops and hollers and Danny Jansen just seething in the corner, just yeah. menacing. And that's probably where the hip flexor injury idea came, was born yeah. out of that. Hey, why don't we talk a little bit about Roberto Almar? Ugh. You interested? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't care. We'll talk about Roberto Alomar. Uh, so anybody out there doesn't know Roberto Alomar has been cut ties with the MLB and the Blue Jays organization because of sexual misconduct allegations that the MLB has looked into and uh, found enough evidence to do such a thing. The Hall of Fame says that he's still a Hall of Famer, but he's not allowed to come to any events at the Hall of Fame. He's not even allowed to show up to the hall of fame mm-hmm. uh, i guess for me when i heard that i like wasn't surprised um why uh, is that Do you know something st- about roberto that well i know that roberto alomar allegedly was having sex with uh, four women not telling them that he was hiv positive and they called him out as being HIV positive, when Roberto Alomar was asked to submit tests that showed if he was or was not HIV positive, he failed to do that, uh, which may or may not be true. Like, you know, but these are the things that get you uh, thinking a certain way about a person. I know that when he mm-hmm. spit on the umpire's face and, you know, other things that he's done. And, and, and to be fair, like I was a massive Blue Jays fan when I was a kid. He... He's an amazing player. Absolutely. One of the greatest second basemen of all time. Definitely one of the greatest defensive second basemen of all time. He was a great bat for a very long time. Helped us win uh, a World Series in Toronto. Has one of the most iconic Blue Jays moments in history. His home run off Dennis Eckersley. I do yeah. not care that they're taking his number down from the le- le- number, le- number of excellence, the uh, level of excellence. I don't know why. And I don't, I honestly don't really know why I don't care, but I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. It doesn't affect me. Um, and that's just how I feel about it. Yeah. I feel similarly. I, I feel passionate about it in like an antagonistic way. Like I, I started getting into Twitter beefs again with people who, cause you know, Sportsnet posts the article about what's happened and you know, these fucking guys, you know, with their, with these guys are on there. I'm like, I can't, the blue Jays made a huge mistake. Just it's, it's, I guess it's guilty until proven innocent now. And all this, like, I'm like, did you read the article? There was an outside investigation done that presented to MLB that this happened. And you can't forget who MLB are. Like, I'm sure they would do anything to not have to deal with this. And the fact that they, they they ruled him ineligible, that they, you know, they that they took the length of actions that they did is is quite extreme. There's like something like only six players in history who are on that ineligible list. Yeah, I mean, MLB hired a third party to do it because yeah. of biases towards the player, and and also something needs to be said too. I mean, there's been so many allegations over the past five six years of sexual misconduct, sexual allegations, sexual violence, that it's not, um, it's not a shocking thing anymore. It's a very, like, I think it, we're, we're at the point now where we pretty much assume that there's a lot of these stories out there mm-hmm. in, that exist that are bound to, to come to the surface. And when they do, 
fair game. You know, you did it. Well, yeah, I don't, I don't know what I'm supposed to feel about it. I don't like, it doesn't ruin any childhood memory of mine. It doesn't change me in, in any way, how I feel about it. It, it just sort of, it, yeah. Like I said, he, this doesn't surprise me. Yeah. I think it, it really frustrates fans and it frustrates men in particular not knowing the details you know like everyone just wants to know what it is that he did so that they can make up their mind and just hearing that it's sexual misconduct is is vague to people that it's that it's frustrating and and because it's not a criminal case there's no there's there's no uh suit you know there's not a lawsuit against him there's no jail time for him it feels like it's insignificant but that's just not the way that it works the the woman who is involved in this story is not seeking um money she yeah. just wants it to be acknowledged and for it to be dealt with so it's not like she's looking for fame or money or anything like that yeah and like I I, I kind of got annoyed with that too because now it's kind of like signaling that like is that what women have to do now in order to be taken seriously like what mm. like even if she was good good for her if she's gonna get some money out of for, out of whatever it was that happened I don't care go get 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 some get some payback on him other than just taking him get you should get some gain out of this too and I don't think it's that it's a great thing that she isn't and that now that you know, maybe in the future, maybe women will feel like there's something wrong with that more than they already probably do and make it even more difficult and that and that they'll be viewed as the ones who are as as being even more of gold diggers. So that, that's a mm. yeah, that's interesting. I don't know. I don't know. But, uh, you know, if if you're out there and you're 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 upset with this conversation, you know, I don't care. You know, go go watch your Roberto Alomar highlights. You know, do do whatever the hell you want. I don't care. But uh it's not tolerated. We don't support it. I don't support him and I and I support the Blue Jays and I support the MLB and uh, eradicating him from from any future potential of 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 being involved with baseball. I don't, you know, get, get rid of his name in the, in the level of excellence. Good. Make some room for some, for some new guys who aren't dirt bags and, you know? Yeah. I feel like there's some guys on the team right now. who are going to be on that level of excellence in uh, in a matter of time. Yeah. Yeah. So, sooner than later. I mean, I, I put Vladdy up there right now. <laughs> they just they rip down the 12 they put up the 27 on the first game back to the rogers center whenever that is that'd be awesome <laughs> that would be awesome um but okay we'll we'll wrap it up there kind of a sour note to end it off on but uh you know we had we i guess we had to acknowledge it but uh upcoming we're going to we're going to oakland baby we're going to the, the oakland almeda coliseum um, I've been there. It's uh, <laughs> I love it. I loved it there. I don't care what people say about that that stadium. It is like going back in time in the coolest way. I had a blast there. 
Um, obviously, they feel like they need a you know a new stadium. It is outdated, but in a cool way. It feels like feels like that's where baseball originated or something. You know, <laughs> I don't know. It's really cool. Um, but Stephen Matz is going up tomorrow. Tuesday we got Anthony K. Wednesday my man Robbie oh, K. Okay. Ray. <laughs> Thursday Hunjin Ryu. If he uh, if he's ready to come off the IL, so uh, and then uh, I believe Thursday Thursday is or maybe Friday they're going to Houston, George's old stomping grounds. Yeah, I was looking at the schedule, man. It looks it looks relentless. I was just like I kept going far. Like when I was like, when did we get to play the Orioles? What is going on? <laughs> so until so until June <laughs> we play the Orioles. Like June eighteenth, our first series against the Orioles. And uh, before that, we get one Man, against the tests. Before that, we get one against the Marlins, but it's it's like Astros, A's, uh, Red Sox, Yankees. It's, it's crazy going through the ringer here. But I, I don't. Know, we got we got three in a row Bring now. It. We got three in a row. What are we thinking? I don't know. Eight, eight in a row. I mean, I'm just gonna say it. They're never going below 500 again. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you love to hear it. Um, okay, you, thank you for listening to. Oh shit! You know what? Uh, I do this every time, David. The reviews. I know I said I was ending the show, but you guys, you gotta keep bringing these reviews in. They're awesome. We are so psyched about the reviews because it's helping the show. Because evidently, new people are finding the show, like our man Jeremy the Worm. Savoy, who who gave us a review titled New Kid on the Block, five stars. He says, hey there, I'm a brand new listener to the podcast and instantly got hooked. I like your chemistry and the humor you bring to the show without skipping any details. Keep up the good work, Jeremy the Worm Savoy. If you're going to go out and, you know... And you're gonna you're gonna call yourself the worm. Well, we're gonna need photographic evidence because you need to have certain qualities to call yourself the worm. I, I'm gonna have to see like neck goes straight into the chin and jaw area. There can be no definition in the jawline, and mm-hmm. there has to be something in your eyes that would suggest that you would steal my lunch if I looked away. That's <laughs> the kind of qualities you need to be calling yourself the worm. Maybe a bit of sliminess too, like a a glisten, maybe. Um, but but <laughs> yeah. Jer- yeah, you could have. Sorry, Jeremy wasn't the only guy that gave us another five star review. We also got a five star review from Cliff Atkins. I don't. This guy is apparently another. Uh, he's a relation. He's the son of Ross Atkins. He's Ross Junior. I don't know. He says. Top-notch alternative Blue Jays podcast. Love the game diaries, the widely wildly inaccurate predictions, the humor, and the deep geek fandom. My dad, Ross Senior, is super jazzed too. So I guess this this guy's name's Cl- Cliff Ross Atkins, Ross Junior. Uh, he he loves Ro- it though. Ross got his whole family into the podcast, and it's unfortunate, Jacob, that he had to call out your wildly inaccurate predictions but uh-huh. uh you know you gotta let the you gotta let the fans have a voice you know and and maybe your predictions just need to get uh just need to get better right 
I, I got to say, I'm starting to feel like the Atkins family is like toying with me or like, the, the, you know, that they're coming after us in, in a way that's like, I don't know. I, I can't even explain it, but I feel excited. I feel uncomfortable. I don't know what their angle is. They're, they're, they're really gassing it's, me up. They're giving us all these compliments. But at the same time, like when, I feel like there's an angle. It's like when Big Brother's watching you. They're just letting us know that they're watching us. So you better watch what you say about the organization, about, about the Atkins family, and about Ross himself. And they're being kind right now, but uh, be wary. Yeah. You're right. Well, in any case, you guys out there, you're listening, you haven't given us a review, you want to have a little message to us, you want to have a little a little back and forth, a little banter, send, send in the review. It doesn't, it, I know that you see every review says five stars. If you think the show is four stars, don't, don't worry. You can, you can say that too. You don't, have to, you don't have to lie. If you don't think it's five stars, it's fine. Give us... Give us anything. We want to hear from you. We want to keep interacting with you. Okay? So so subscribe, follow, rate, review, and we'll see you next time on Underdogs. Mm-hmm.